Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Gorecom, in which we speak with small cap executives about important news at their company. With us today, for the first time ever, Dan Weslock, CEO of Blockchain Foundry, the company trades on the CSC under the stock symbol BCFN. And for those of you new to the story, that's going to be a lot of you because we just kind of started work with Blockchain Foundry. We all remember the crash of blockchain stocks a couple of years back, which was actually more crash of blockchain, what I like to call pretenders, who are using the term just to build stock promotion as opposed to building actual blockchain companies. Like the dot-com crash of 2000, which bankrupted you know, the dot-com companies, but gave birth to the likes of Google, Amazon, LinkedIn, because they built actual utility and value. The same can be expected uh, of the blockchain crash and its resurgence. We see it coming. There's no doubt about it. And Blockchain Foundry is a leading North American blockchain development for more than just lip service. They just brought revenue for the for the nine months end of September 30th, $1.1 million, up 113% year-over-year growth. Net income, $140,000. What's even more important, that's a $610,000 improvement because they're at a loss last year. So income's going the right direction, revenue's going the right direction. And part of that is a development agreement with a large Canadian financial institution that they couldn't name, valued about $400,000. They partnered with Binance. Uh, the largest digital asset trading platform on the planet. Bottom line, blockchain foundry, real products, real customers, real revenues, real income. That's the blockchain 2.0 company we're looking for. Dan, welcome to the show, man. George, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm glad to be here and I'm um, looking forward to, to the discussion. Look, we are too, because we're big fans of blockchain. We think that's going to be one of the disruptive technologies that defines uh, the next decade. Uh, but more than just what I'm saying, what you're saying, I'm going to do a quick screen share here because I want to show people uh, what other people are saying, as I think this is important. And this is the Blockchain Foundry Hub and Agoracom. We're going to get you to talk about this in a second, Dan. But for everyone at home, Jack Ma, the co-founder of Alibaba, said blockchain tech could change our world more than people imagine. That's quite the profound statement. Vitalik Buterin, who's the founder of Ethereum, Whereas most technologies tend to automate workers on the periphery doing menial tasks, blockchains automate away the center. Instead of putting the taxi driver out of a job, blockchain puts Uber out of a job and lets the taxi drivers work with the customers directly. Gotta love that. And finally, Jamie Dimon, we don't need any introduction for him, JP Morgan. I probably shouldn't say any more about cryptocurrency. Blockchain on the other hand is real. So Dan, what do you have to say about uh, uh, about the future of blockchain. But before you do that, give everyone at home a layman description of what is blockchain at the end of the day? Yeah, yeah. So great questions. And, and you know, the way I like to describe blockchain to to the uninitiated, right, is that it is essentially at, at, at its heart, it's a distributed ledger. It's a, it's a distributed database that multiple parties um, essentially ensure is not being tampered with. Right at, the, at its very simplest layer, there are ways to leverage it in more um, in more advanced ways, such as smart contracts and things like that. But even at that layer, all that's happening is you have a distributed ledger that is storing the state of a smart contract across a number of different actors, and all of those actors ensure that the state of that contract between them is the same and there is no variation in that state, which the value of is that 
you now don't have to trust organizations aren't manipulating their data because the blockchain provides you that layer of trustless confidence that the data you're seeing is accurate because there are a consortium of, of nodes or other people running the database that serve to ensure that the data is all, is all valid and essentially immutable, right? Which means that once that data has been written to the database and validated as being as matching the state of other people on the blockchain, that data cannot be changed. And if that data is changed by an actor or an actor tries to change that data, that actor will actually be banned from the network and their, their incoming data that's trying to manipulate the state of the blockchain will be rejected. And, and why is that so important at the end of the day? I mean, look, here I am, I'm a layman, my name is George. And right now the, world, the way the world works is I've got data on my, on my laptop as I'm talking to you. I've got data at, uh, at Google because I use uh, Google Photos. You know, mm -hmm. it seems like everything operates just fine. For me, why should I care at the end of the day that blockchain uh, is, is going to be maybe the new operating system? Why should I even want it? Yeah, there are so many layers to the answer to that question. I mean, at the level you're talking about relative to your personal information, there's an entire movement happening in the blockchain space called um, self-sovereign identity. Actually, Blockchain Foundry is one of the uh, founding members of an organization spearheaded by Microsoft called the Decentralized Identity Foundation. Um, what that organization is doing is essentially establishing a W3C specification for what decentralized identity looks like. So, you know, to, to go back to your question, what's the problem with having all of your data up in Google and up in Equifax and up in Facebook and Twitter and all these other places? Seems like it's um, working fine. Why should, why should I want to change? It works fine until attackers decide that they want to access the data in those in those uh, company stores, and then it suddenly fails catastrophically, right? I think one of the best examples I always reference is you know the Equifax hack, where Equifax, yeah. the the custodian of so much critical data relative to your personal information, credit scores, employment, not Equifax, you should. Personal credit information is the big thing at Equifax. Right, exactly. And now, now attackers not only have gained access to all that information, but they put it for, up for sale, you know, on the dark web. And if self-sovereign identity had really caught on and, and everybody was using it, then there wouldn't be that, that centralized sort of honeypot that, that is, is perfect for attackers to go after and, and get a large sort of payday in that they get all these users' credit information. Right. Um, so, the, so the problem is right now, data stored at one place. It's Fort Knox. Right. And as long as we get to Fort Knox, we can take all the gold at the end of the day. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's, that, that's the problem. Even though we think it works fine, you know, if someone hacks into my doctor's office computers, he can, they can get access to my health records. If they hack into my Agorcom uh, drives, they can get access to all our confidential client information. Finance. Right. So this way you're saying by spreading it out, there just isn't one central, there isn't one central place to attack, to steal, to change any of that. Right. And not only is it, it's not just the fact that it's being spread out, but it's being spread out in such a way that it is, is still verified using cryptography and the blockchain. And so it's not just a matter of spreading the data out, but spreading sure. the data out and then providing a mechanism for validating that data when it comes to other parties interacting with it. 
So how big is the blockchain today? And would I even know, for example, so the, I want to, let me ask these questions first. How big is blockchain today? Where do you think it's going? Obviously the likes of Jack Ma think it's going to potentially change our lives. Where mm -hmm. do you see it today? Where's it going? So blockchain is really big today, but I think, um, you know, there are a lot of different ways to measure the size of it, right? Market cap, uh, total number of transactions in the blockchain, total number of wallets with uh, a positive balance. There are a lot of sort of different ways that people try to measure it. But, you know, uh, from a sort of high level perspective where I would say it's at today is still very focused on value transfer. Everyone, when they think of blockchain, thinks of Bitcoin and moving money from A to B and how to reduce costs and remittances and eliminating middlemen, essentially, when you're trying to move money between parties, right? That is kind of just the tip of the iceberg in terms right. of what blockchain can be used for. And so, you know, where it's at today, I think is still very much um, uh, something that is an interest of the financial sector. And, you know, how do you reduce costs related to remittances? How do you, how do we eliminate middlemen? How do we take certain processes that involve humans today and put those into a smart contract so that we can eliminate the human and eliminate additional costs and fees that come with that. And so, you know, what we're seeing in this space right now is this movement called decentralized finance or, or DeFi is what some people refer right. to. It as. I, I'm like called the DeFi, but you're right. Yeah. DeFi, yeah, okay. DeFi, I'm not sure exactly, right? But, but DEFI for everyone at home. That, yes. I, no matter how you pronounce it, DEFI. Yep. And so, you know, that is... In my mind, I see that as an extension of the whole blockchains are good for value transfer. And so sort of an evolution or an iteration of that thinking is, okay, they're good for value transfer. Now maybe they're good for managing more of the aspects of how that value is, is managed and transferred. And that's really where things like automated market making and these platforms with, you know, kind of crazy interest rates are surfacing because you can put your your cryptocurrency into them and then other actors in the system who are needing a loan or needing some some financing can leverage those systems to essentially borrow your money at a really high interest rate you earn the interest from them borrowing the money um, and the contracts that underlie the system ensure that you ultimately are not going to lose that money you know so right. Now, it knows it's it knows exactly who it's going to and the person that's going to knows exactly who they're paying back and it's all done seamlessly right that's the idea right yeah, Dan? In, the, in the in the contract captures all of the sort of um specifics of the of the agreement of the terms of that loan right so in the contract it says that you know within the next 90 days um, that loan has to be paid back or else, you know, X, Y, Z happens. Their penalties are incurred or interest rate changes or, you know, those types of things. And that's and what so I love about it. Because right now, if I want to loan, if I want to put a million dollars on the street and loan it out, I got to find an intermediary, like a broker. I said, hey, I'll, I want to loan out a million dollars. And then, uh, but don't loan out more than uh, $50,000 to any one particular person so I can spread through this. But they got to go find that person. That person got to find them. There's got to be paperwork that side. Then there's got to be paperwork on my side. Yep. Then I've got to check my bank every month to make sure there's the money actually going in. Yeah. If all so, of it isn't there. Who missed the payment? It's a, it's real. It's it's difficult. But blockchain, from what I understand, in that for kind of example, for example, 
would almost do that automatically. I've got a million dollars sitting on the blockchain. Uh, there is a contract in place that says someone with a credit rating, you know, that checks against Equifax, which is built in yeah. some credit rating above this can borrow no more than this uh, yeah. at this rate. And if it all met, 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 mix, bang, it just goes. And yeah, it just exactly. Happens, right. And there are, there are already platforms out there that provide aspects of that, right? Like Uniswap is one. It's more of a more of a trading platform. BlockFi is another one where, um, you know, I haven't seen their smart contracts. My understanding is smart contracts are a component of their system, but they're another one of those places where you can take essentially stagnant crypto, put it into a smart contract that has those rules you explained. People can come and borrow from that contract and you earn interest against those borrowings. And I don't even know they're doing it because the, the blockchain is doing it all automatically. Right. Exactly. Yeah, beautiful. And, and you can then, you know, depending on which system you use and the specifics of the contracts used in that system, you can even withdraw your your financing at any point. You know, sure, so that, of you're you're not beholden to keep your money in the system for as long as this one person is borrowing the money because there's it, it's a pool of money, right? And so if you want to pull your money out, there's other money in the pool that can be used to facilitate, you know, making that person's loan whole. So essentially, we're creating almost the blo what blockchain is going to be able to do in so many different applications. We're just talking about one here, but mm -hmm. so many different applications. Like if I want to sell my house, so many. It's you're essentially removing so many of the middlemen and just creating a frictionless uh, and 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 a system you can rely on. At the yep, end, of the day. exactly. And even in that example you you walked through earlier, where you said, <clears throat> you know, you're applying for a loan. The smart contract has to go check with with Equifax. Um, there's already even systems being developed in that respect to um, decentralize that, right? Like these, the, there's a concept of oracles where there are multiple parties who are checking data from a specific data source and you refer to the oracle to ensure that all of their information matches and then you can use the information from the oracle. Um, the benefit of that is for something like uh, market prices, for example, um, you could have an Oracle that gives you the current USD Bitcoin conversion price, right? Um, that data can be, can be uh, ascertained from a number of centralized sources, right? And so what an Oracle can do is have a number of, of actors participating in that Oracle mm -hmm. who fetch the data from different sources, but ultimately that data should all be within a certain threshold of, of each other, right? It's not like on one exchange, Bitcoin should be worth $1,000. On another exchange, it's worth a million dollars. And so what the Oracle system does is it makes sure that there's a consistency in data amongst the participants in the Oracle who are providing that information. And so, you know, the vision for the future of the system is not that you're ever going to be reaching out to any centralized system like like Equifax. You might be reaching out to an Oracle for certain types of information. For other types of information, you might be leveraging self-sovereign identity directly. You know, like the the <clears throat> how do you prove that this this individual has a certain credit score or this individual has a certain um, employment yeah, history? Right. Those are all things that would go into verifiable credentials that get attached to your self-sovereign identity. And so then when it comes time to, uh, you know, provide your proof that you are employed, your credit score is X, Y, Z, 
the the way that those proofs are are being constructed now allows smart contracts to interact with them such that you can prove that you have a certain credit score without ever without the system ever contacting Equifax. Yeah, that's that's what I love. Like just like that. And and you're talking about in nanoseconds. Right. And removing, you know, not only are removing friction, but we're removing vulnerabilities as well, right? Equifax is in and of itself a vulnerability because it can be attacked. And then you have the speed of, of communicating with that network as well. Both of those things can be, can be um, you know, improved by using blockchain. So how long until you think the blockchain really starts to make, uh, really starts to become part of my life where I can actually see it, you know, it's like I, I can actually participate in those kind of things. Are we a year away? Are we five years away? It's hard to say because um, there is definitely a balance with blockchain between ease of use uh, that users have come to expect with centralized systems, of course, and the benefits that you know the, the benefits of blockchain do come with some trade-offs right now in respect to ease of use. And so there are a number of players, blockchain foundry included, looking to simplify the process of interacting with blockchain-based services, really to the point where users don't need to know that a blockchain is behind all of this. They can know that, you know, it's being secured by that technology, but we want to get away. I'm just going about my business doing what I do normally. The interface hasn't changed very much. The experience hasn't changed very much. It just all happens easier at the end of the day. Exactly. That's the goal, right? And, And being able to have people use usernames and passwords to access this, this information. You know, in today's world, you're stuck remembering a 16 to 24 word mnemonic phrase that's essentially a bunch of random words um, that control all of your money or all of your identity information. Um, or there are even more complex methods of, of accessing your account, essentially, right? Private keys. Um, we're trying to simplify that so that the user can leverage um, paradigms that they're used to today, username, password, forgot my password, that kind of thing, to access these systems um, while still providing all of the security and immutability right. that blockchain. So in front of the curtain, it looks the same. Behind the curtain is all blockchain, and I don't have to really concern myself with that as long as, that my, as, long as it's easy for me to use. Right, exactly. Let's, let's switch over to you. Let's put you under the microscope here a little bit. <laughs> you put out your Q3 numbers. Uh, anytime a small cap does over a million dollars in revenue in a quarter on its own, that's legit to me. Uh, that, that's that's a nice number. You guys are up 113% on that revenue year over year. What do you attribute that to? Uh, I mean, that's, that's big growth. What do you attribute it to? So a lot of it has been learning, right? Um, this is an entirely new space, an entirely new market. When we started the company back in late 2016, early 2017, it was right at the peak of, you know, that bubble that, that we had back then sure. where I, and I agree hundred percent with your comments from earlier where, you know, that bubble was driven by a lot of pretenders and, you know, those that remain are really um, the ones that are trying to, to, to do that stuff for real. Um, what I would caution investors about, right now is, you know, there is a new wave of pretenders, right, that, that have come with the, the DeFi, DeFi movement, right, these projects that show up overnight, have very little, you know, anonymous devs or no information on their devs at all. Somehow they collect millions of dollars and Man. 
ultimately they all they all deflate right if they don't just naturally kind of fall off on price um more nefarious things are at play like you know they have developers doing this thing called a, a rug pull on investors where they put all this money into a smart contract and then that developer uses their access to the smart contract to essentially steal all of the user's money right and so what we have what we have done over the life of the company really is changed our approach to the market. Um, when we first started back in the early days, we were really focusing on those new market incumbents, those ICOs and stuff, and trying to see how we could help them um, really develop what they told investors they were going to develop or um, create a white paper better describing what they had planned to develop to investors and help them on their journey in that respect. Uh, what we quickly learned was that um, not only did the uh, actors on that side of the fence not have a clear idea about how they were going to use blockchain technology, but in a lot of cases, these people were not technologists at all. They just heard about blockchain. You know, if they put together a company around it, they think they can they can raise a bunch of money. And so, you know, how can we help them create a white paper that'll facilitate that? Um, a, that's not what we do as a company. That's not what Blockchain Foundry focuses on. Um, and B, um, you know, we ran into a lot of issues with those companies where they thought they had all this money coming in the door from an ICO and they ultimately didn't. The ICO fell apart or the SEC started clamping down on them or, you know, uh, other regulatory agencies within their jurisdiction started clamping down on them. And all of a sudden, the you know million dollar project they had come to us with is oh sorry we don't have the money we can't proceed that kind of thing right so in the early days it was it was a lot of tough you know hard learned lessons in, in that kind of in that kind of respect and also you know we'd sign these contracts we'd spin up a team for those contracts and then those those you'd be losing money yeah those, those you uh, paid people you didn't bring in revenue that wasn't good cancel you got people on staff what do you do right so we've really changed our approach to how we um to how we approach the market and even how we approach prospective clients um really icos are not something that we we really play with anymore we really are more focused on real organizations that have a business today that are that are you know Fortune 500 is really what we're trying to target. And okay, so you're not you're not targeting the Agorcoms or you know decent sized business. You're you're going after the the guys at the top of the food chain. Guys at the top of the food chain who are looking to uh, leverage the benefits of blockchain technology within their organization, uh, but don't know really the best way to go about that. And what we have found is that um, you know there's a there's a lot of sort of meat on the bone there when it comes to that specific approach because a lot of these fortune 500 companies actually have departments or internal organizations themselves that you know sometimes it's called the innovation group sometimes it's called the the fringe technology group what have you but they already have teams that are trying to better understand how their organization can leverage this technology and yeah so, because they're, the the world is full of blockchain experts right uh that's right that's the funny part that's so uh, uh, they, they, I know I need blockchain for Gorecom, but I'm not sure exactly what I need. So I've got to start reaching out to people like Blockchain Foundry, and then mm -hmm. hopefully you can come in and give me that value proposition. I found the quote interesting from the press where he said, this outcome was a direct result of increased client development activity. Okay, that makes sense. I think that's kind of what you touched on there. As well as 
growing market acceptance of blockchain technology. So yeah. I find that latter part more interesting because the first part, increased client development, I'm, I think we're all assuming you're out there trying to build your book, prospects, trying to build your pipeline and you're obviously right. doing a very good job of it, so bravo. But I like to hear more about the growing market acceptance of blockchain technology. So you're saying that two years ago, you might've pitched George on, hey, George, I think you should, put, you should be putting a Gorecom on the blockchain. And maybe I wasn't really uh, up to it back then, but now I'm more likely to say, Hey, Dan, come on in. Why is that acceptance changing now? Why is there, why is there greater acceptance? What do you think? So I think it's a few things. I think it's um, one, uh, you know, if we were to talk to you, George, and really blockchain isn't a good fit for your company, there are not a lot of benefits to be had for your specific use case. We'll just tell you that, you know, we're not going to waste an hour of our time, your time or our time trying to convince you of a way that you could possibly use blockchain technology with Agoracom, but it would just be a superfluous kind of implementation to, right. you know, pad our, our, our wallets, right? We would just tell you, look, blockchain is not really a good fit. Do you have any of these types of use cases? You know, then we might have something more to talk about, but right now, probably not the best time, you know? Um, in other cases where we do see a good fit for blockchain technology, you know, we, outline to those clients where we see uh, potential for blockchain technology within the use cases that currently exist within their organization. And we give them some examples of, you know, if you're spending a million dollars on remittances right now, if we were to develop a blockchain based remittance solution for you, you could possibly save this much money, right? And so helping clients understand the actual cost savings or cost benefit that will, that that their organization will experience by leveraging blockchain technology, it, I think is another key um, strategy that we've we've Im sure. implemented in the past. Look, I think most businesses are like that, right? You know, Gorecom, <laughs> hey, this is why you should be using a Gorecom. This is what we can do for you. So, but I'd really like maybe uh, just ask it differently. Obviously, there's more willingness now to mm -hmm. have blockchain foundry and an ABC blockchain, XYZ blockchain to come in, why is the attitude on my side? Why is the market acceptance on my side starting to change? Uh, and and how much how much different is that change than what you saw just last year or a couple of years ago? Because obviously it's a great thing for the company if George's picking up the phone for you and saying, hey, I'm open to blockchain coming in. Where is that coming from? I think it's coming from more and more um, sort of success stories being published about about use cases around blockchain and those use cases not only being in the value transfer space, right? Like there's lots of success stories going on around um, uh, goods tracking and provenance, right? There are success stories happening around digital identity and self-sovereign identity. And we're part of some of those success stories, you know, a lot more I wish I could say about that, but, but you know, we're working with a major Canadian financial institution around, you know, SSI and I think that it, that in and of itself is a huge testament to the acceptance that has now come to the space, right? If you were talking, I guess, just, I guess it just needed time to marinate. Uh, right. You needed in, in time it, for success stories to come out and for guys like George to say, wow, hey, that company just used to do that. Maybe we should be, okay. So it just needed time <laughs> to marinate and, and, that, and it's, it's like a fine wine, but that's yeah, what's well, happening well, right yeah, now. Like and, and, and speaking to the, you know, the marinade process, it, it is, you know, COOs and CTOs and their fringe innovation tech teams having the time to do some diligence on the technology before 
you know, wasting other corporate resources, engaging with a third party like ourselves to help them figure out how they can use it. And after going through that diligence internally, they realized, you know, there really is a lot of potential here for us. And so we should start to identify uh, targets around which, you know, use cases around which we can try to do some pilots. And then that's kind of the point at which they start to engage with us. What does it mean for your credibility? Um, and you don't have to do a deep dive into the actual relationships because I know there's a lot there, but what does it do for your credibility that you've got a partnership with Binance, right? Who's yeah. everybody knows just is just a monster and yeah. the quote large Canadian financial institution that you, that has to, that you haven't disclosed. I don't even know who it is, but mm -hmm. what does that do for your business? To Cause to me, third-party validation, everyone at Agoracom hears me talk about that all the time. It, it can't just be Dan telling me he's got a good blockchain company. Who else agrees with that? And clearly Binance and this large Canadian financial institution uh, agree with that. What does it do for your credibility when you're walking into other meetings uh, and people saying, well, who, who else do you guys work with? I mean, does it instantly get people's attention? It, it definitely does. And, and really, honestly, it's, it's a combination of not only the clients we're working with, but what we're working with them on, right? If we were to say we're working with a major Canadian financial institution on standing up their own ICO, you know, they'd probably be like, Meh. but we have a lot of um, potential clients interested in the self-sovereign identity space. And so being able to say, not only was Blockchain Foundry fundamental in the development of the specification for decentralized identity, but we're also hands-on implementing it with a major Canadian financial institution and other organizations as well. And so we're not just someone who has come into the SSI space looking to uh, you know, pad our books with some additional work. We're people who really believe in what the mission behind SSI is. We're firsthand experience in helping to even shape and mold what that looks like. Um, and then we have the, 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 you know, the, the boots on the ground experience of helping to implement that for real major clients, right? And so I think all three of those pieces are, are sort of key in establishing our expertise and validating our experience. And all three of those together are really what help uh, prospective clients engage with us further. So last question, you said that uh, earlier on that uh, beware there are new pretenders that are starting to rise again. Uh, and I guess there will always be some, right? At least yeah. it's not the craze that we saw back in 2000, late 2017, mid 2018, where just everybody's on blockchain or the press releases. But yeah. um, why is blockchain, aside from what we've talked about here, you know, why is blockchain foundry the small cap blockchain company that people should be taking a look at? So there's a few reasons, right? Um, I think one is that we have a track record to speak to, right? We have clients, we have clients in a number of different spaces that blockchain can be, uh, you know, is, is well suited for from a use case perspective. And those use cases are not all focused in one area. You know, it's not all remittance or all value transfer or all smart contracts. We have actually a pretty healthy spectrum of different use cases uh, for blockchain technology that we have firsthand experience in, right? Um, additionally, we are one of, if not the only uh, small cap blockchain company that that's public that has their own protocol, right? Um, 
Syscoin is a blockchain protocol similar to Bitcoin um, that Blockchain Foundry has essentially been the primary developer of. It is open source, so it is open to others contributing to it sure. um, and us pulling innovations from other blockchains into it. Um, but there are a lot of innovations at the protocol level of Syscoin that Blockchain Foundry has added only after um, experience with clients where they've identified certain protocol level things as pain points for them, whether that be a pain point with Ethereum or a pain point with Bitcoin or a pain point with Hyperledger, you know, they're giving us these, well, we would, we would love to use that if it only had this, right? And so we're taking those pieces and actually building them into Syscoin. And then, you know, what we're looking to do long-term is build products on top of Syscoin that expose those features to users. Again, in that way that makes the blockchain fade into the background, but it provides these large organizations with the capabilities they need in order to use blockchain in their business, right? And so that is really a, a, a big focus for us and, and what we're looking to do to, to kind of move things from primarily consulting right now to being more of a product-based company and we'll still be doing consulting, but as we make this pivot from a consulting company to more of a product-based company, again, these products based directly on market feedback. So we know the market's ready for them. Right. And product um, is leverage, right? Because you can you can scale product around the world. You can't scale consulting. I mean, consulting is great, but you can't you yeah. can't scale it as fast as you can a product that people love and say, Yeah, let's license that or let's buy that. Right. Well, and also consulting gets complicated in this space just because it is so diverse you get you know one client wanting ethereum one client wanting hyperledger one client wanting their own custom chain and already it becomes difficult to manage right yeah i like the idea of a product sometimes the simpler you make it for the the end user the the better uh, the better at the end of the day yeah and that um, product is really you know focused right now we're thinking the focus is going to be around stable coins and regulatory compliance you know you look at you know Stable coins are going to definitely be stable coins or even centrally backed digital currency, the CBDCs, which are essentially stable coins that are backed by a central bank. Um, you know, what, what our product is really going to be focused on is making life easier for those players so that they can provide those types of solutions to the market, CBDCs, stable coins, what have you, that can be used around the world in a regulatory compliant way. Whereas right now, you know, there are all kinds of roadblocks and, and holdups when trying to use even stable coins that exist today in different countries, right? And so we've developed a solution that helps to remediate the challenges there. And we're now working on essentially building, you know, a product on top of that and a nice front end and everything um, that makes the blockchain fade into the background, provides banks and other major organizations that are producing these, these products with the tooling they need in order to be on the right side of regulations. Um, and our consulting arm will essentially shift a bit into being more of uh, an integrator of our own product into these existing systems rather than it being a, you know, jack of all trades kind of consultancy. Look, blockchain is so new, so robust. You guys are growing. We could talk for another hour. We could probably easily, right? Yeah. So we'll kind of end it there. But the last, uh, I want to leave final thoughts with you, which is you're ending off 2020 on what looks like is going to be, a, if you're Q3 
and your nine month numbers are an indication you guys are going to be ending up the year uh, in a nice position. Yeah. What do you see for the company in 2021? How do you see, how do you see 2021 playing out? I think you're going to start seeing more actual products in 2021 and stories about um, pilot engagements with, you know, everyone from financial institutions to governments to private, private organizations um, using these products and, and, you know, success stories around those or challenges and improvements that we're going to make to the product coming out of those, of those engagements. Um, there'll definitely be some new clients signing on because we're going to continue to to run this standard consulting practice until our products start to really get some traction. But I think that, you know, the big difference you're going to see in blockchain foundries uh, news over 2021 versus its history to date is going to be a lot more focused on our, on our pivot to a product-based company um, than it is just about more random, uh, you know, new clients, right? We'll still have those clients, but we're going to start to try to change the narrative to be more about clients using our products and us implementing that product within their organization um, instead of us building something, you know, completely green fields for a client unrelated. Yeah, to one off, one off, one off, one off more. Well, I'm excited about that. The fact that you're saying that I really like that because that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, uh, and we'll kind of leave it there, man, because you guys had a great 2020 and I like the fact that you move in what I heard there, what I was a lot more. That's what I yeah, yeah, there's definitely a lot, a lot more out of blockchain foundry in, in 2021. Thanks for joining us, Dan. Thanks for having me, George. Looking forward to future conversations. You've been watching Dan Wasseluck, uh, or if you've been listening by podcast at Spotify, Google, uh, Apple, or your favorite podcaster, you've been watching and listening to him talk about blockchain foundry. Uh, look, we know, there's a lot of information to absorb. It's a lot for us to absorb. It's a lot for companies to absorb because we're all starting to learn. We're all really trying to learn about blockchain. But look, you saw the quotes at the beginning of this presentation. That's why I put that there. Uh, all those quotes. You saw Vitalik from Ethereum. You saw Jamie Dimon from JP Morgan. You saw Jack Ma, Alibaba. These are three of the world's most renowned people in the technology space. Even Jamie with their own coin that they're coming out with at JP Morgan. Uh, they're yeah. not just a bank. Which is funny. They're because, telling you this stuff. Which is funny and, because just a year ago, they were their tune was different on that. Oh yeah, yeah, they were smashing Bitcoin, I, and I don't know, I know why. I was smart. They yeah. want to keep, you know, they want to keep them down, give themselves time to build their thing. Which is is that funny, right, Dan? Is that the? <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, he's there. They're all there. So look, if you got those three, and those are just three of many examples, we couldn't give you ten. Uh, if you got those three saying this about the future blockchain, then it behooves you to start doing your own due diligence, your own research. I know it's hard. Uh, and in the, in the future, I'll have, I'll have Dan back on. We'll actually talk about some specific use cases because he mentioned that. So hopefully what we'll do is to talk about specific use cases that people can relate to, make life yep. easier, easier to understand. But get to Agoracom, punch in the company's name or stock symbol BCFN. We've got the profile page there to kind of help you summarize all this and start to absorb uh, what blockchain is and specifically what blockchain foundry is. Then hop over to the company's website, which you can do from Agoracom and do a little more due diligence. Cause trust me, I can't tell you where blockchain foundry is going to be in five years. I'm hoping and I'm thinking it's got a very good chance of being a really nice player in the space, but there's no doubt that blockchain is going to grow. And hopefully what you found in blockchain foundry was your, your vehicle 
to help you participate in that growth uh, over the next two, three years. So thanks for joining us, everyone. Don't say we didn't tell you so. You got to do your, you got to go do your due diligence and we'll see you next time.